Well, welcome to virtual Easter. Man, it seems different this year, the new reality of not having everybody here in the gym and being able to have the service as usual in front of uh, our beautifully decorated sanctuary. We haven't had a Easter brunch where we can all eat too much and then go to a family dinner and eat too much again and then have a time of thanksgiving to God that we're Baptists and gluttony is not one of our seven deadly sins. We just go by what Paul says, you know, when he said, uh, I buffet my body and bring it into bondage. Well, all this because we're living in this new reality, a world with a new vocabulary. COVID-19, social distancing, self-isolation, crisis schooling, words we didn't know a couple of months ago, but now we all understand completely. And who'd have thought we'd see empty streets and empty stores in the malls? Who'd have thought we'd see emergency hospital tents in the middle of Central Park in New York City and convention centers around the world full of hospitals and hospital beds? Well, one guy actually did, and his name is Peter May. Peter May is an author I kind of enjoy, kind of writes thrillers, I guess. And uh, back in 2005, he had an idea for a book about a pandemic that was the global outbreak of the bird flu, as it was then. And he imagined London shut down. He imagined London as the epicenter of this global outbreak, and he went through what the World Health Organization, what the British and what the Americans were planning for a pandemic, and he wrote a book based on that, about what it would be like in London. And he put all this research into it. He took it to his publisher, and his publisher says, It's too unrealistic. No one would buy the book because no one would ever believe it could happen. He abandoned the project, put it in his Dropbox file, and just left it there until he got a tweet from someone saying, hey, you should write a book about this. This is your kind of thing. And he said, wait a second. I did write a book about this. And he pulled it out, and he shot it off to his publisher. He said his editors fell out of his chair. He read the book overnight. They said, we got to publish it. It's the most brilliant thing you've written. And Lockdown is now available in the UK through Amazon on Kindle. It'll be out as a paperback, an audio book at the end of the month. And it's already sold over a million copies. If you want to buy one, tell them Dale sent you. And hopefully they'll send me a free copy as well. But it's that new reality that just doesn't seem like this is where we've been before. But when I called the sermon a new reality, I really wasn't thinking so much of the COVID-19 reality. I was thinking of how Easter is the ultimate new reality, how it overshadows everything that's ever happened elsewise, and how it brings into perspective some of the stuff that we're seeing today. And if COVID-19 has taught us that the world can change overnight, then Easter is the first proof of that. And so the question comes, what's Easter all about? And we're going to work our way through the book of Galatians over the next six weeks. And today we're just going to start with five verses because Paul anchors this entire book in Easter. He starts out this way. Paul, an apostle, not sent from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, Easter, all the brothers and sisters with me, To the church in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, 
to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And this is the start of his book, and it's the start of our time of reflecting on Easter. So let's just pray together. Father God, thank you for Easter. Thank you that we can sing these hallelujah hymns and songs. Thank you that we can praise you for the risen Lord. Thank you that after the darkness of Good Friday comes the dawn and the new light of Easter. And so, Father, we thank you for this season. We thank you for this day. And we pray as we try to understand a little bit more about what Easter is all about, that you would just help us in that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The book of Galatians, and we'll get into this more next week because it's not Easter, it's just the book of Galatians, but just context always, right? book of Galatians is sent by Paul, who identifies himself as the writer. He sends it to the church at Galatia, and Galatia, if you want to think of that, is modern Turkey, probably the southern half, though there's a little bit of dispute about that. Uh, if you remember your book of Acts, it's kind of Lystra, Derby, that region of the country, uh, Paul and Barnabas had gone there, they had started church there, and now they're following up with a letter because they've heard there's some challenges there. And so he's writing them this letter about how to understand the new reality that they live in. And he's telling them the Easter story. And it starts on Good Friday. He starts by reminding them what Good Friday was all about. Grace to you and peace who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. And that's Paul's summary of Good Friday. Kind of three parts. He gave himself for our sins. And the first thing Paul says is that Jesus' death on the cross was not a meaningless political tragedy. It wasn't an accident of history. Jesus gave himself. And we looked at this on Good Friday, so, you know, just look back at that if you want to. But God made Adam and Eve to have a special relationship with him, which Adam and Eve lost in their turning away from God. And because of that sin, they damaged their connection with God, they damaged their connection with each other, and they damaged their connection with the world. And because they did this, death entered the world. And nothing they did or nothing they could do would restore that. And that is where the world and the rest of humanity stood until God came to make it right when Jesus came and gave himself for our sins. And Jesus came to earth to die in our place so that we could have this relationship with God afresh. That we could have this increased and improved relationship with each other and with creation. And he died on the cross as a substitute for our sins. Or as Paul puts it, he gave himself for our sins. As this perfect sacrifice, he paid the price for us. And he did it, secondly, Paul said, to rescue us. And Paul uses the word rescue um, a number of different ways in the Bible. And a couple of them we find in the book of Acts. And if you remember one time, uh, Paul was in trouble. And he actually had the Roman army had to come and rescue him. The governor of the day wrote a report on that. And here's what he wrote. It's in Acts 
23. He wrote, This man Paul was seized by the Jews, and they were about to kill him. But I came with my troops and rescued him, for I learned that he's a Roman citizen. And so this idea of rescue is this very realistic uh, word that is used of saving someone from trouble. But another way it's used is back, looking back at Moses and what Moses did in the Exodus. And in Acts 7, it says, quoting God, I have indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groaning, and I have come down to set them free or rescue them. And he says to Moses, now come, I will send you back to Egypt. And we did that whole story of the Exodus. And throughout the Bible, we find the image of Exodus is very much this idea of God rescuing his people. And it's an image of God rescuing us from sin and rescuing us from slavery to death. And Jesus is seen as the new Moses, the one who comes to free us from Satan's grip, to lead us into this new reality, to lead us into a promised land. And Paul says Jesus gave himself for our sins to rescue us. And he's using that Exodus language if you want. And then the question comes to rescue us from what? And he has this third point there, to rescue us from the present evil age. The Jews in Jesus' time divided time very simply. There was the present evil age, and there was the age to come. The age to come we would call eternal life, we might call heaven, we might call by a number of names. But the present evil age is where Satan is at work, where life is, as Thomas Hobbes put it, nasty, brutish, and short. The age to come is where all those promises come true of a new heaven and a new earth. And so we live in this present age of sin and death. And Jesus came to give himself to rescue us from this evil age so that we can live in the age to come. And in a sense, Paul would say that is the story of Easter. That Jesus came to do this on Good Friday, and then Easter is the celebration of this. And so we come back to the start of the letter because we skip to the next couple of verses. And it says, Paul, an apostle sent by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And Paul there identifies himself as an apostle. And maybe the best way to think of that is the word ambassador, is the one we would use. So an ambassador represents his country's leader. So say the U.S. were to ban the export of uh, N95 masks. And Mr. Trudeau uh, didn't like that. So Prime Minister Trudeau would call his ambassador to the United States. He would give him a message, go speak to the president and tell him this. And then the ambassador would go speak to President uh, Trump and would tell him the message. And Mr. Trump would know that the message he was getting from the ambassador was the message that the Prime Minister of Canada had given him. In other words, he's speaking on behalf of someone else. And that's Paul's picture of an apostle, one who's sent to speak for God to the church. And he's speaking for God who raised Jesus from the dead. So what's Easter all about? 
Well, it's got to do with those two realities. It's got to do with Jesus who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age. And it's got to do with Easter where Jesus is raised from the dead. And I wonder if one way to think of that is sort of to picture it as a map. Um, and to think of it all as a river. So here we live in the present evil age. Then there's a sort of river that separates us from the age to come. And we said the present evil age is where you know things are broken and where we live today. And the age to come is where God reigns in all his power and everything is good. And in between is this river. And every culture has this sort of an image. Um, so, you know, the river sticks, the river whatever. Um, but there's always this death is a river that on the other side we get to something good. And now not every culture. There are some cultures that picture life as being on the edge of the ocean. And when you die, you simply walk into the ocean until the waves cover your head and you're never seen again. But the Bible is very clear that, that death is not the end. It's a crossing over. It's a going into the river on this side and coming out on the other side, on the age to come. And that's how the Bible pictures resurrection. In other words, going into the river is our final act. And when Jesus came, he showed us his power over death. And he did it, first of all, with a guy by the name of Lazarus. We looked at Mary and Martha last Sunday. But Lazarus was this guy that died. He was a friend of Jesus, a brother of Mary and Martha. And he died. And Jesus came and raised him from the dead. And it was one of the final miracles that Jesus performed, a way of pointing forward to his own resurrection, if you want. And it was one of the things that just made the high priests and the chief priests and the priests, well, ticked off. And John, in his ironic way, I, I love the way he puts this. He said a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there, and they came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. You got to love their solution. Lazarus dying the first time was the problem they're trying to solve. And now they come up with a solution to that is, well, let's kill him again. And somehow, you know, if you kill a guy that Jesus can bring back to life, it's sort of like playing whack-a-mole for a little bit too long with your solution and your problem. Dead, raised, dead, raised. You know, it just doesn't seem to be. And I think that's just John's irony. But, but what's important about that story is that Lazarus was not resurrected. He was resuscitated, maybe is a better word. He didn't come back to life different than he died. He came back, he had the same body, he had the same problems, and he would have to die again. He was more resuscitated than resurrected. I mean, he was dead, but his resurrection was different than Jesus. And if death is this river then what happened with Lazarus was that Lazarus went into the river of death and Jesus waded in and grabbed him and pulled him out, but he pulled him out on the same side that he went in on. He pulled him out on this side of the present evil age. 
And the uniqueness of Jesus is that Easter is the story of the first person who does not just get resurrected or resuscitated, because we read that in the Old Testament in a couple of places. And even Jesus will do that with uh, Jairus' daughter, you remember. But when Jesus dies and comes back to life, he does not come back on this side of the river initially. He, he, comes, he gets resurrected on the other side, on the side of the age to come. And then he comes back to our side to be with us for this brief time. And we see it immediately that his body is completely different. It, it, it has similarity and it has some of those things that are the same. You can see the, the scars from the nails. You can see the scars from the spear. But his body is a foretaste of the resurrection body. He can appear and disappear. He can do things that he couldn't do with a physical body before. And Paul kind of sums it up in Corinthians. He said, so it'll be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable, the one that dies. It's raised imperishable. It's sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. It's sown a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body. And if there is a natural body, he says, there will also be a spiritual body. And Paul's trying to explain something we don't understand. We know that if you go into the river of death and you come back, as Lazarus did or Jairus' daughter did, or maybe one or two other people in history, you come back the same. But when you are resurrected, when Easter happens for you, your body is different. It's the spiritual body. It's, it's this contrast that Paul plays all the way down the line. And he finally says, you know, maybe the simplest thing is to say it's like a seed. So let's take a tulip because we're all hoping that we'll see those one day in Calgary. And if you take a tulip bulb and you plant it, you don't just get a big bulb grow. You get a tulip plant which looks nothing like the bulb, but we know it comes from the bulb and has continuity with the bulb. But it's different. It's like a caterpillar that goes into the cocoon and comes out a butterfly. There's continuity, but it sure is different. And when Lazarus comes out of the river on the same side, he comes out the same. But when Jesus comes out of the river in the age to come, he comes out transformed. And that, I think, is what Easter is all about is that Jesus came out on the age to come, and then he came back into our world. And he showed us the difference that that makes. He showed us who he was, and he brought some of that age to come with him. And God broke into our world at Easter. It's still the present evil age. There's still sin and death, and we see it with this pandemic that's going on. But God is at work in people. God is at work in new ways. And we accept what God has done in dying on our behalf. <clears throat> it's as if we too have entered that age to come. It's as if we have entered the river and come out on the other side. There's something about us that's different. It's, it's only spiritual for now. But it will be physical in the age to come. There's something different about us that the 
Holy Spirit living within us does. And God resurrects Jesus and sends him back and to undo the effects of sin and disobedience, to restore our relationships, to change us in a way that his Holy Spirit can live within us and begin to make that difference. That's all the stuff that Easter is about. That the life of the age to come is in us now. That we can have this new understanding of God, this new relationship, this new relationship with others, this new peace with the world. And the great reality of Easter is that Jesus has crossed the river, defeated Satan and death, come out the other side, and that on Easter morning he came back to our side to show us the truth and the reality of what God had done. That Good Friday and his death had been effective. That he had triumphed over the river, over death. That he had come out the other side. And that he'd come back. And I think there's a couple of truths And I messed up the uh, screen behind me. But there's a couple of Easter truths that we want to talk about. And the first one of those is baptism. You know, the picture of that river is the picture of baptism. Paul said in Romans, all of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. And we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And you know, the early church used to baptize in pools. And they did it outside and they would come and they would take off their old clothes and they would go into the pool and they would be baptized. And they would be given this white robe and they would be anointed with oil as a symbol that the Holy Spirit is in them and upon them. And the white robe was a symbol of their new holiness And then they would walk out on the other side. And it's that image of the river. That they've left this present evil age. They have gone through the river of death. They've been buried with Christ in baptism. And raised again. That Easter is this coming out on the other side. And the reality of baptism is this picture of Easter. It's this picture that Christ has defeated death. Has defeated sin. Has defeated Satan. That he can come out on the other side. And that that becomes true of us as well. Now, we know we live in the present evil age. We've got nothing that would tell us anything different there. We live on this side of the river, but we live in the power of God. We live in the power of the resurrection. And through the eyes of faith, we see the world becoming different and we see ourselves becoming different. And we live for this purpose to be God's apostles, to be his ambassadors, to be what Paul said when he says in that verse in Corinthians, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. And we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled, be rescued by God. And the first reality of Easter is that we can know that we are going to spend eternity with God because God has already, through baptism, pictured this, but through Jesus' death and resurrection created this, that we are those that have crossed that river 
And we've moved from this present evil age to the age to come. And one day that will happen to us physically and in reality the way it's happened to us spiritually and symbolically now. And that leads us to the final point, is that's what gives us hope. The thing that Easter reminds us of is that we always live in sight of the river of death. And one day it will be our time to wade out into that river. But the promise of Easter is, is just that Jesus entered that river and came out on the other side. So we too, when we go into that river, will come out on the other side. We'll come out in the age to come where everything is right. Where we'll spend all eternity with God. And I just love that hymn by Bill Gaither. Because he lives. And he has that final verse that I think just sums up what I'm trying to say this morning. He says in that last verse, and then one day I'll cross this river. I'll fight life's final war with pain. And then as death gives way to victory. I'll see the lights of glory, and I'll know he lives. What is Easter all about? Well, it's all about Good Friday and Jesus' death and all that. But it's also about the resurrection. It's also about this river where Jesus has died, and yet he's been resurrected on the other side in the age to come. And he comes and he brings that reality to us in our lives. So that when our time comes, when we too cross that river, we'll know the promise of eternal life, the promise of heaven, the promise of the age to come. We will have that hope that though this side is the present evil age, one day we'll spend eternity with God. And Easter is God's promise that that is true. Father, we thank you for Easter. We thank you for this reality that though we live on this side of the river, we have that promise, that hope, that assurance that one day when it's our turn to go into that river, you will bring us out on the other side. And we will spend all eternity with you. We will be resurrected. We will have a new body, a new life, a new experience of you. And we thank you for this Easter and for the promise that it is that all this is true. Thank you for what you have done this Easter in raising Jesus Christ from the dead. And thank you for the promise that that can be true for us as well. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.